Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. I recently had the unusual and extraordinary privilege and opportunity to confer the sacrament of confirmation on my high school seniors from my two parishes by calling down the Holy Spirit and anointing them with chrism. You better believe it, I was wearing my socks from Sock Religious on that occasion, the Come Holy Spirit Socks. Pentecost Sunday is May 23rd, and I'd encourage you to go over to Sock Religious and to buy a pair of Holy Spirit socks and wear them to Mass on Pentecost Sunday. You can find a link in the show notes, and by buying through that link, you'll be supporting the podcast, How They Love Mary. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. During the month of May, May 13th marks the beginning of Mary's apparitions in Fadma, on which she appeared on the 13th of each month except during the month of August and gave messages to those children. It's also another feast day in the church called Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. And today, I'm going to be speaking with Ivan Hernandez, who is a lay associate of the Blessed Sacrament, president of Elisheba House, and author of the Rosary Eucharistic Meditations. And she'll be speaking with us today about the Rosary, about the Eucharist, about Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. So welcome, Ivan, to How They Love Mary. Thank you, Father. Thank you for having me. Well, you write this book about the Rosary, and... Yes, lots of people, they have a point where they come to praying the rosary, that maybe it wasn't always a part of their life. And I guess I'm just wondering, could you share a little bit about your own Marian devotion and how you arrived at that daily recitation of the rosary? Yes. And um, the funny thing is that I wrote the book before I got to that point. <laughs> so um, I, I grew up in, a, in Puerto Rico. Um, in a Catholic family, but my family wasn't um, practicing, but it was part of the culture, part of our lives. I went to Catholic school, so I was exposed um, to all these devotions, even though they were not part of my daily life. So I knew about the rosary, but we didn't pray it at home um, or at school. So it was just kind of in the background. And after I married and had my own children and started on a homeschooling journey with them and became part of a Catholic mother's homeschool group, that's when I was invited to join the mothers in the park and pray the rosary. And I, I found myself, I was kind of resistant to it. It was just not, I, I didn't get the point, really. And, um, but little by little, I started just kind of this desire to pray it and learning a little bit more about, about it, about all the miracles that happened through its recitation. And little, it, it's almost like Mary continued softening my heart through the years. And um, because, and even though, my 
mother didn't pray the rosary with us at home. She had a very deep devotion to Mary. So she, we were always so when I was having a difficult day, let's, let's ask Mary to be with us. Let's ask Mary to help us. We always had an image of her. So I had that relationship with her in that sense. So I started asking her to guide me, to guide my life. And then a friend brought a devotion of consecration to Jesus through Mary, to our group. And we did that. And that's really what I think changed my, you know, changed my world. <laughs> um, from there, it was just one thing after the other, started attending daily mass, started receiving communion and had a deep healing experience, um, physical healing through, through Mary and, and her rosary. So I ended up <coughs> making her a promise that I was gonna spread devotion to the rosary. Um, and the funny thing is I didn't have it as a daily prayer yet. So I think through following the inspiration to write this book as I learned more about St. Peter Julian Amard when I was inducted to, to the lay associates and trying to connect that to the virtues of the rosary. Um, and then just actually doing it, actually praying it, she continued changing um, my life. It's always and, interesting to hear people's healing stories in a sense. So you were healed, you said, of a physical ailment. And so were you praying the rosary for that healing? Did you visit a shrine to Our Lady? And then it's always, you know, very touching for me to hear, well, God did this for me, and so now I'm going to do something for Him. And so that's exactly what you do as you write this book. So how did that healing come about? So... um in 2010, I was diagnosed with a disease called Charcot-Marie Tooth. It's an inherited peripheral neuropathy, a neuromuscular condition. Um, there is no cure. There is no treatment. And little by little, the, the nerves on my legs and arms stop working and the muscles atrophy. So that, I was diagnosed in 2010, even though obviously I was born with it and had showed symptoms through my life. Um, it was progressing very slowly until 2014, when all of a sudden I found myself mostly bedridden for about five months. Hmm. Um, at the time the doctor said all the tests, it was, they couldn't explain why all of a sudden it progressed in like all over, like my, my hands, my legs. I couldn't, I couldn't sit up straight for too long. You know, every, everything was, um, it was just very weak in a lot of pain. During those five months, it was almost like a personal time of retreat. I just devoured every spiritual book I could find. And I did have a very special grace during that time, which is that I was able to get in the car, drive 20 minutes to our parish, attend daily mass, 
receive communion and then drive back. And that is the first time that I started praying the rosary every day because I found an app that I played while I was driving. So I did half on my way there and half back. And then I would come home and I had to be in bed the rest of the day. And I've been looking at old journals and found that I noticed, you know, the day I said, wow, the only place I'm not in pain is in daily mass. Hmm. The only, you know, the only time I can sit for any, it was, I'm really, I couldn't sit more than five minutes, but here I am sitting an hour between the drive and, um, and the fact that I could drive when um, anywhere else we had to go, I had to go in a wheelchair, my husband had to help me. So that was a time where I think God used it to help me just surrender. You know, there was, there was a, a lot of grief um, of all the plans I had and all the things I wanted to do. Um, I've always been just very active in, in, in ministry and in, in whatever I do. I used to work as a computer engineer before I stayed home and homeschooled. And then I, um, I would always like be in leadership with groups. Uh, I just like to do stuff. All of a sudden I couldn't do anything, but homeschool my kids in my bed, read and pray, you know, and go to mass. So, um, Towards the end of that time, I renewed my consecration to Mary on December 8th. And it, it had been, if when I look at the journal of those times, it was just, just very, very difficult. Like it's sometimes even in the journal, you see the, the, the words are all like shaky, you know, and I'm writing how much pain I'm in and how difficult this is. And, um, on December 8th, so on December 7th, you know, the, the eve of the, of the Annunciation, I'm planning, there's a group of people coming the next week to our house. We used to be part of a um, couples, teams of Our Lady, and they, sure. they were coming to our house, and it was my turn to plan the meeting, and we had no materials, and I just felt this inspiration to talk about Mary on the Rosary. But because it wasn't a, something that was part of my daily life, I mean, yeah, in the car, but I had to, I, I went to the research, which is something I, I love to do. And in that research, I discovered this priest I'd never heard of, Father Peyton, and just started watching all these YouTube videos of these <laughs> amazing rallies he would do and all these people. And I was just so impressed and so moved by that, that in this moment of joy, I just told Mary, I said, oh, if you heal me, I'll do that for you. I'll, I'll do rallies or marathons and I'll, I'll promote your rosary. Um, and as soon as I said it, I, I went like, well, you, you don't really have to heal me. You know, I'll do whatever you want anyway. And kind of, kind of said, what am I, what am I asking? But my thought was, this would definitely be pointing to God, right? Because I couldn't do any of that um, in the way I was. So on December 13th, which is funny, you know, you mentioned the 13th. 13th has become a really um, important date for me. Um, Mary uses that a lot to send me little signals and messages. So on December 13th is when we had that meeting. 
and I spoke about Mary and I shared, I, I had just read this book from uh, Montfort, The Secret of the Rosary. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, the whole world needs to hear this. And so I got a copy for everybody and, and I did that. And um, to the next night, then I, I actually had a dream where a priest came and gave me the anointing of the sick. And I remember waking up just feeling like it was a very real dream. I could still remember the warmth in my hands. And there was just this priest just in light. I couldn't tell who he was. I couldn't tell he says, but I woke up thinking, oh, that was how nice. You know, just like, oh, what a, what a nice dream. And I got up and went to mass as usual on Monday. But when I come home, instead of going back to bed, I started picking up the living room and just doing stuff. And my husband's looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, what, what are you doing? And I, it just dawned on me that I had no pain. Um, and I was like, and when I said that to him is when I remember the dream. So then the next day and the next day, you know, three days, no pain, absolutely no pain, no, not even like normal pain, um, normal backache, nothing. So I, I spoke with my spiritual director and, and just kind of saying like, you know, was, could this be connected to that? You know, could this be? He's like, well, looks like you, you had a grace. So I asked him, does this mean I need to do a marathon now? <laughs> um, and, and it turned out eventually I, I did take it literally at first and got a, a personal trainer and, and tried to, to train and do that. But that didn't work out because what eventually I found out is that I'm not fully healed. I still have the disease. Um, but it went back to where I was before those five months of, of bed rest. And it has continued a, a very slow progression. So it's still with me. Um, but, but there are still things I cannot do. And when I got the inspiration to, to, to connect the rosary with the Eucharist and, and write these meditations and share what was really kind of my journal, you know, through that prayer, which felt very vulnerable to share. Um, but when I went ahead and, and did that, and I'm speaking to my friend, I saying, this has been, I feel like I ran a marathon. And it just was like this light bulb moment, like, this, this is my marathon. This, this is what I'm um, going to offer Mary. And it, it has been, it's been almost three years now since published the book and um, just grew our ministry, Alicia Bauhaus, and our just speaking and writing and just doing anything I can to do my part um, in that deal. <laughs> You mentioned that uh, the name St. Peter Julian Amard, you're also a lay associate of the Blessed Sacrament. And so St. Peter Amard probably isn't uh, a household saint name. People don't talk about him all that often. So how did you discover him and his congregation of the Blessed Sacrament? Well, it was a huge blessing. We have uh priests from the congregation here locally like in a parish like 15 minutes from my house 
And this, I have a dear friend. Her name is Laura Warhatch. She works with us in Elisheba House, and she wrote a consecration to Jesus through Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. It's, it's how our Elisheba ministry began. And it was her who, who brought that original consecration to our homeschool group. So it's funny, it was all kind of like a full circle because she was a lay associate because that was her parish. So she invited us to, my husband and I, we both did it together. She invited us to come, come and see. And um, we, we went and did the period of formation and discernment. And I have, you know, there's another funny story and I, I share it in the book. When I was discerning, if we were gonna be inducted in the associates, I had said no, because in my discernment, it didn't come clear that I, you know, this is what God was calling me to do. And then this, this one day we were um, in a prayer meeting for, we were studying the messages from Our Lady of Fatima. And as my friend read the words from Mary that said, I want you to come here on the 13th of next month. I had just this moment where I heard Our Lady saying that. And the 13th of next month, there where we were was the induction. It was set for May 13th. 2016. So it was, it's just amazing to me when I look back, like she called me to do, to, to say that promise and the promises to make known the love of God present in the Eucharist. That's part of the promise from the associates. So that's from the fruit of that promise is all the ministry we're doing and, and just using every talent and ounce of energy we have to to do this in our lives and share it with our friends and whoever whoever you know shows up and, and wants to listen so as a lay associate of the blessed sacrament from saint peter julian amard's uh, congregation of the most blessed sacrament this really inspired you then to see the connection between mary and the eucharist to yes. write a book called The Rosary, Eucharistic Meditations. So what is Mary's connection to the Blessed Sacrament? So that's, I was reading a lot about St. Peter Julian Amart and his teachings, and I came upon this one quote, and it says, all the mysteries have some relation to the Eucharist, for the Eucharist completes them all. They all tend toward the Eucharist, with the help of grace, we must discover what is Eucharistic in the mysteries in order to nourish our devotion toward the most blessed sacrament. So when I read that and I heard the word mysteries, uh, the rosary immediately came to mind, even though, you know, he's just speaking in general, all the mysteries of, of God, right, of Jesus. And so at that point, I went searching for for what I actually ended up writing, I wanted to see if it had been done already, if, if St. Peter Gianimar had written something about the mysteries of the rosary. And I searched, even though he was very, very devout to Our Lady, and didn't find anything specific to the rosary, at least in the works that had been already translated from French to English. So that's when I felt the, the inspiration. I'm like, if all the mysteries point to the Eucharist, 
And if we need to ask for the grace to discover it, who, who holds all the grace? It's, it's Mary. So that's when I just had this realization that if I go to Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament, because Simpiragianimer talks a lot about Mary in the cynical, Mary after Jesus's ascension. You know, we never, I never thought about before Mary receiving communion mm. from the apostles. And, and when you think of that phase of Mary's life, it's even more relatable to us because that's our relationship with Jesus now is in the blessed sacrament. And she had that too for many years. So thinking about that and, and asking her to, to really bring light to all these mysteries, to bring the grace. Um, and then just like, you know, we're in the Easter season right now where Jesus opens the minds of, of everyone he encounters to, to understand the scripture, to, to see what happened. And, and we get that grace of recognition, which is what I think when we combine the rosary and we are asking Mary to bring us to that place where we have recognition of Jesus and, and see how he's acting in our lives right now and how every mystery of our lives, he's there and she's there. And we, we don't only have to look at these stories from 2000 years ago, but when you're looking at them through the blessed sacrament, they're, it, they're now in your life. Beautiful. And when it comes to, you know, the rosary, when it comes to uh, the Eucharist, especially, um, I, I really loved what you, you mentioned about Mary receiving Holy Communion. I actually wrote an entire paper on this based on the writings of Father Daniel Lord, and that led me to write another book called Meditations After Holy Communion from Sophia Institute Press. And one of the reasons I wrote my book about the Eucharist and meditating after Holy Communion at Mass was because... Well, first of all, we were in the middle of a pandemic at the time, and I thought, well, once we come out of the pandemic, once we return to Mass, we need a tool to help people deepen their Eucharistic devotion, to renew that devotion. So I thought maybe my book could do that. I think your book, Connecting It to the Rosary, also can do that. I also wrote the book because so many people, and we see this all the time, these polls that say, you know, maybe 25, 30% of Catholics believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So that means 75, 70% of believers, and those especially who are in our churches, that they might not really understand that Jesus is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, in that host that we receive at mass and the monstrance that we adore on the altar in the in the ciborium reserved in the tabernacle so how do we now as believers and as we pray of course as we pray the rosary and focus on the eucharistic meditations it reinforces that belief of jesus's presence in the in the holy eucharist but i guess how do we help people to affirm that belief that Jesus is present in the Eucharist? Or what are some steps that people can take to renew their Eucharistic devotion? Um, could, could you comment on that, I guess? Yeah, so I I really think it's like, you know, they say you can bring the horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. But So I think all 
we do is point people to the truth and invite, what I do in my book is invite people to just open up their minds a little bit, to open up, to look at something from a different point of view. And I think if it's through in that little crack, that little opening, just like in the road to Emmaus, you know, when, when they got out of their sadness and looked at this stranger that was ignorant and needed something, it's just, just that tiny turn to look outside your own sadness and misery and look out, God will use that. Um, and Our Lady we will use that. I think especially if, if someone already has a devotion to Our Lady and a relationship and praise the rosary, I think that this is a great opportunity to, to ask her through our title, through that title, Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament, to bring her closer to that, to, to, to see those graces. So it's, it's a matter of letting people know this is there, just give it a, just give it a chance. You know, he, he's there, but you have to take some time. You, you know, the real presence requires your presence too. So it's about being present. It's about listening um, and, and not letting these things just be checklists we do or, or things we do. And it's stop enough to see what he's saying. And I think if we just something as simple as looking at the rosary, I say, I'm going to try this new way of looking at it. You know, even though I've been for 20 years praying these mysteries this way and I know them, that openness to something new, which we know God makes everything new all the time, right? So if it is just bringing that freshness and our attention, I think. Um, sure. You mentioned about uh, listening and being there in, before the Blessed Sacrament to uh, stop and hear what he is saying. And Really, Mary gave us that great example. She did that at the Annunciation. She stopped what she was doing in her life and listened to what this angel was communicating to her. She stopped and listened to Elizabeth when Elizabeth spoke and said, Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Uh, she stopped and listened to the Magi that came and visited uh, for the Nativity of our Lord. She listened uh, to those ways in which uh, Simeon prophesied in the temple. She listens to her son Jesus. So there is a sense that in the rosary that really we can look to Mary as an example of one who listened so then we can begin to listen for the voice of God speaking to us and especially through the power of the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, I always like to imagine, and, and I've heard many people use this idea of, of Mary taking us by the hand, you know, like a little child and, and guiding us. And when, when I'm praying the mysteries of the rosary, I always have this idea of almost like little oasis in the middle of a desert that just praying the Hail Mary, it's like she's walking you to the next place where this fount of life is where you're going to find refreshment, where you're going to find what you need in, in, in the strength of what you need. And yes, when we, when we spend time thinking about those moments in Jesus' life, there, there is grace there and we receive it. And but then when we go a step forward and move to the present moment and 
then then it's when we can i think take it from theory to to practice and bring it in your life and and in the mass when we're sent forth you know we're sent forth to live this eucharist and the the more the more i spend time with jesus in the blessed sacrament or praying through our lady of the blessed sacrament and, and just attending mass the more i can see how it's it's life it's your whole life you know we say it's source and summit well what does that mean and it, it's about what we do like in the alicia blog my husband laura and myself we alternate weeks writing a blog on how we live this life in the eucharist and it is just bringing up examples and stories or things from our own life that people might not think oh that has anything to do with the eucharist you know but everything has everything has everything to do with the eucharist because it's jesus um so just bringing that that awareness and then hoping that some that that someone is open enough to the experience because i can i can tell the stories of all the great things God has done for me, which is what I do, right? When I say about the healing, when I, you know, it's my own personal magnificat. And hopefully what, what happens from that, it's an inspiration to open up so they can experience in their lives because until you experience, you can't make sense of it, it, it you know? It, so it's this um, invitation. Sure. And one of the things you mentioned, too, as you were speaking, uh, talking about praying the rosary maybe at church. So lots of churches might pray before Mass. You go to adoration. You pray the rosary during adoration. And and that's when we can ask Our Lady to help us to realize how your, how your Son is present with us here in this place, how He can really say those words that He said at the resurrection to the apostles, peace be with you. So... In the fears and the worries of our life, Jesus says those words to us. So really the rosary can become this tool for us to hear the Blessed Virgin speak to us, to guide us, to lead us, to hear the Lord Jesus speak to us. And uh, so you've done a, a wonderful thing in offering us uh, the rosary, Eucharistic meditations uh, available from Elisheba House uh, through this apostolate, through this ministry of yours. So so I'd like to thank you so much for being with me today on How They Love Mary. Thank you. Thank you, Father. This, thank you for the opportunity um, to continue my marathon <laughs> and just share share the love of, of God present in the Eucharist. And I pray that every person listening will have that encounter and that experience and just be changed and, and go forward, listen to what God has for them to do in this and if people want to learn more about you or learn about your ministry uh how can they do that yes so we have uh our website is www.elishabahouse.com elisheba is e-l-i-s-h-e-b-a it's the hebrew word for elizabeth which means god's promise so that's what that name is is so important because god's promise we, we have that. We have the Holy Spirit present in the Eucharist and, and brought down every day here for us. And um, you can find me on Instagram at Yvonne Elisheba and Facebook, Twitter. So I'm trying to, trying to um, be a little more present in those places too. 
And on our website, if you want, the, the books are available on Amazon also and Kindle. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely the book would be a great tool to help people pray the rosary better, uh, to deepen your devotion to the Eucharist and the rosary. And you can bring that book then to church when you pray the rosary. You can bring it to adoration. You can bring it to your little rosary group if you're praying it with others. Uh, so, so make use of this book. Find it uh, from Elisheba House and uh, give Yvonne a follow on social media. So thanks so much for joining me today, Yvonne. Thank you. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. If you don't mind, please leave a review of How They Love Mary on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast with your family or your friends. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or wherever people find their podcasts. And if you don't mind, please give me a follow on social media at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.